Hello, fuck demons, and welcome to Sex News with Ray. I'm your queen, Ray, here with another fuck demon. I don't know, what kind of title do you want, Katie? Uh, fuck demon, sexual deviant, sex educator. I'll take that. It's your last episode, so you get to be whatever you want. Polyqueer Jewish uh, sex worker. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All of those things. <laughs> All of the above. All of the above. You get to be especially wonderful in choosing your name, because today in Sex News, you are introducing the media because you read it and I didn't. <laughs> yes. So uh, I recently read a book called Ace by Angela Chen. Um, it, what asexuality reveals about desire, society, and the meaning of sex. And I would like to start off by pointing out that the only reason that we are including asexuality as an alternative lifestyle, quote unquote, is because a ton of people don't understand it and don't realize what it means. They don't um, know asexual people or asexual folks are not out to them because it is very confusing for a lot of people when in reality it doesn't necessarily need to be. So the two chapters that um, I am bringing up are chapter seven and eight, Romance Reconsidered and The Good Enough Reason. And chapter seven dug into the details about romantic and sexual orientation. So the idea of having a romantic orientation which is a description of the gender or genders or lack thereof that one experiences romantic attraction towards, as well as sensual attraction, which is a sense of, I would like to engage in non-sexual non physical activity with that person, as well as sexual orientation, which we are a bit more familiar with, a description of the gender or genders or lack thereof that one experiences sexual attraction towards. Um, the biggest key points from this that I'm going to dig into a little bit uh, is essentially just a glossary of what all the different terms that exist within the ACE spectrum. Um, so ACE is short for asexuality or an asexual person. Um, so the ACE spectrum includes asexual on the far left, so folks who do not experience sexual attraction towards anyone, demisexual, and graysexual which I'm gonna dig into a little more. Demisexual does not experience sexual attraction unless they have already formed a strong emotional bond with that person. The bond may or may not be romantic in nature. Uh, gray sexual, um, shortened sometimes to grace or gray A, may infrequently experience sexual attraction, may be unsure if they have, or may experience low sexual desire, yet will generally identify as being close to asexual. Gray sexuals differ from demisexuals in that demisexuals require an emotional bond before experiencing attraction, yet graces do not necessarily require a bond. Did you have a question, Ray? Actually, I'm having a few thoughts as we go. So my first is, do you consider kissing a sexual act or a sensual act? I think that's up to each individual person to describe. For me, I would I would put that as sensual. Yeah, I feel like for some people it's sensual and for some people it's sexual. Like for me, that would change depending on the person. Mm-hmm. Yeah which I think is interesting. I've never heard sensual attraction before, so this is very exciting. Me neither, until reading this book, and I'm I I'm so excited it. by this. Yeah, I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, that explains so many feelings I've been having to people that I'm like, I don't want to fuck you, but I really want to cuddle. I love cuddling and making out with you. Yeah, yeah. but I definitely don't want to put your penis anywhere near me and vice versa. Mm -hmm. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so just really quick before any further thoughts, the last like definition that I'm going to throw out here for Chapter 7 um, is aloe. So if you're, if you're an aloe romantic or an allosexual, you're someone who experiences romantic or sexual attraction 
So throughout this conversation, I might use the word arrow to refer to someone who is aromantic, ace for someone who is asexual, demi for demisexual, and then an aloe is someone who experiences sexual attraction, romantic attraction. This is what people who are not necessarily in the sex ed field would say normal people because <laughs> exactly. what is normal? So what we have been told is the standard. We have a term the same way that the you have trans and cisgendered people. You can have asexual and allosexual. Allo kind of reminds me of a dinosaur though. So yeah, I am true. going to be. I always think of allosaurus. Allosaurus, yeah. I'm mm -hmm. like, that was yeah. my first thought. I'm like, I'm a dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then in chapter eight is where we dig into kind of like the meatier pieces that I'm interested in Ray's thoughts on. Um, the idea of a queer platonic relationship, which is a close relationship that does not fit within the traditional boundaries of a romantic or sexual relationship, yet is different than friendship. Um, and the reason that this popped up for me is the idea of a, a QPP, a queer platonic partner, um, reminds me so much of our conversations around polyamory and the conversations we were having about the intimacy of friendships and the idea that traditional marriage and monogamy is the baseline for most things in Western society, including rights. So like the right to make medical decisions for someone, the right to have joint finances with someone, um, all of these very, one would consider to be basic rights are denied for folks who don't fit into a traditional marriage or monogamous relationship. Um, but like- I've just are... realized I've been in a QPP QP, yeah, I, I've been in one for years. Yeah. With, with Yael. Yeah, 100%. Like, we are not romantically some... or sexually attracted to each other, but we, like, people think that we're in a relationship because of yeah. the way that we talk and interact. And if we both didn't have, uh, uh, you know, if she didn't have James and I didn't have Alex, like, we would be living together. Absolutely. And you had them probably as your emergency contact for a very long time. Yeah. And, you know, it, this is, and our friendship in relationships to each other is valid. This is one of those friends, too, that if she's having an emergency, I will cancel plans with my husband to go help. 100%. Um, and so. In fact, when I've had to go to the hospital because I've cut open my, my body parts in the kitchen again, um, <laughs> half the time, like, Alex will come with me. And then the other half, he'll be like, oh, yeah, I will enjoy it more. Just take her. Good. Oh my true. I cannot wait to call you Elle after we're done recording this and tell her that I finally <laughs> like, look, have a, I have I have a name for, for our best friendship. <laughs> we say sisters, but this actually is a lot more accurate. Yeah, absolutely. And so, um, am I allowed to use that as a non-queer? Uh, yeah, I think and so. Non and, and as an allosexual person? Cool. I'm going to call you Elle and be like, I have it. I have it. Anyway, uh, yeah, sorry. Continue. I mean, no, no, no. All, all I was going to say is just, um, so first of all, book the book itself, very a pretty quick read because the writing is really good. Um, she is in, like by trade, a scientific journalist. Um, and so she does a really good job of mixing the narrative and the, the science, which I really love. Um, but for me, this was really eye-opening in a lot of ways because for the longest time, I, ha I have had very, very intimate female relationships my entire life. I have had girlfriends that I now would probably say like, oh yeah, there was definitely some romantic attraction there. And also like they, it would have been considered a queer platonic relationship. Um, 
And I love anything that throws the traditional heteronormative patriarchy under the bus. And this entire book does that. I just like the the idea and recognition of models of relationships that aren't monogamous marriages as valid. Because um, I definitely felt that the way people interacted with me after I got engaged changed. And when mm. I say people, I mean my older family members. Yes. I went from being the ridiculous kid in the family, even though I was, you know, 20-something. I think I was in my mid... When did I get engaged? I was 26, 27. I think mm-hmm. maybe on, on my birthday was when I officially mm-hmm. got engaged, so I can't remember, but maybe 28. Long story short, I was in my late 20s. I'd had a job for a while, but I started being treated like an adult in the room when I got engaged mm-hmm. because of how the world sees traditional monogamous marriages as mm-hmm. as a hallmark of responsibility and and the government affords legal rights to people. In that you're told not to blend your finances until you're married, if you're going to blend them at all. Absolutely. And and I think that like one point that I really wanna I really wanna highlight though, outside of yes, kind of th- criticizing these traditional norms, um, as to people who are allosexual and work in sexual fields, we understand that the world revolves around sex, but the vast majority of people would say, no, the world doesn't revolve around sex. What are you talking about? Oh, my like, God. That's like when true. Folks who are asexual will be the first people to understand that, oh, no, everything revolves around sex. And people genuinely don't understand when I talk about either like because there's also a spectrum of asexuality. There are folks who are, you know, repulsed by sex and there are folks who are like, open to it but they like really only do it because their partner wants it and it's not out of obligation it's just like this doesn't do anything for me but like I love you so we're gonna do it because it'll make Uh, you feel good yeah yeah and that and that is a perfectly valid reason to have sex well a good comparison as you said we're two Jews working in sex ed it's kind of like how as a Jewish person you can see exactly how many things in the world are rooted in Christianity Yes. And like people don't see it because we don't say Jesus anymore, but there's a lot of values that are very much Christian values. And we see it because the value system we were raised in is different. Yeah, absolutely. So it's the same thing when you're, yeah, when you're not in something, you see exactly how prevalent that is in Mm -hmm. those spaces. And then when you try and point it out to people, they don't believe you. Yes. (laughs) Right? As a Jewish person, they don't believe you. They're like, that's not Christian privilege. I'm like, it doesn't need to be a big thing. It doesn't need to be like a big honor for it to be a privilege. Um, (laughs) But like, same thing with with asexual people. One of the teens I used to work with is uh, asexual, aromantic, and and non, I think also non-binary. Oh, trans? I don't remember. I think trans by the time I left. And this person was constantly saying I'm aromantic and asexual, and they would they they had their identity denied constantly mm-hmm. and, and I treated said as if they're as if their relationships that they have with other people are somehow less valid I don't know if they were had been in a relationship at that point, I mean but I mean but, every relationship oh I mean, yeah I mean any the queer platonic yes. relationships like right, yes like all of their relationships are seen as somehow like less valid because they're they're not meeting the standard of what a like true romantic relationship is so how can they really understand the nuances of an intimate friendship mm-hmm when it's like, uh, no, that's not the standard. My friendships are what taught me how to recognize love 
and good healthy love healthy healthy love not just love in general and there are so many different kinds of love in the world not just romantic love as you said there's also sensual versus sexual I'm sure there are people who are ace or demi or whichever identity who would be very happy to cuddle they just don't necessarily want it to lead to sex Mm -hmm. and And they don't and and they understandably resent the expectation that it will lead to sex um and so you know what we don't i mean i didn't highlight the the chapter that talks about the the dating experience but um like i know ray that you have some experience with like talking and understanding and learning more about moving through the dating world as an asexual person because of folks that you've met at oasis aqua lounge Mm -hmm. i don't know if you want to share more about that oh i can right okay i I totally forgot i have so many people who don't realize that lots of asexual people show up and pay their membership and come to oasis to hang out which is a sex club so Mm -hmm. people are very confused why would someone who's asexual show up to a sex club and there's a lot of really great reasons which is it's not necessarily about having sex all the time at oasis it's about once again as i mentioned with my husband being in a place where where people respect and honor your no and there's a general greater understanding that sexuality is a spectrum and it's just a lot more inclusive at my sex club at least i don't know about others i'm talking specifically the one that i work at oasis aqua lounge and so i would meet asexual people or aromantic people there who were there to just be in an environment where they could be left alone if they wanted to and have a great time and have complex conversations around sexuality and have their identity be accepted as valid without having to argue about it there might have been a little bit of education here or there for for some people who might have been new to it because not everyone who shows up to a sex club is a super enlightened leftist person who reads and is a sex educator but there's a lot more people in that space who are aware of these conversations and aware that you know it's different and you would meet people who were asexual but still wanted to do impact play and play play in the dungeon or get drunk and go for a swim and make friends with poly people you know like (laughs) it's it's just a really I I thought it was just so interesting that you know there's people who felt comfortable in this space not wanting to have sex in what is a very highly sexually charged atmosphere. But at least at Oasis, we're aware and we're honest about it versus the rest of the world that pretends that it's not always highly sexually charged. And I also think that there's a certain um, a certain stereotype. Well, I guess maybe not even a stereotype because I don't, I don't know how prevalent it is for folks even like understand that asexuality exists so with that being said i think for folks who are aware of asexuality as a sexual orientation assume that that means that they are completely averse to sex and they want nothing to do with it and like the idea of talking about sex makes them uncomfortable and that absolutely is the case for for some people absolutely there are lots of allosexual people who are equally as uncomfortable talking about sex exactly right that's exactly what i was gonna say and um but in reality like there are there are plenty of of folks who actively choose not to engage in sexual activity but still want to talk about it and still want to learn about it and still want to feed off of the energy that other people are giving off like it I mean, there are folks who go to nightclubs not to dance, but just to feel the energy of people dancing at a nightclub. It's a very similar, I would assume, I mean, I don't know that it's a similar experience, but in my head, those two are like similar 
vibes, one might say. Yeah. I also think there's this assumption that if you're in a relationship with someone and there's no sex, is it really a, a relationship? Like, is it really a marriage? And like, there's so many people in marriages where they haven't had sex in years, but we don't consider mm-hmm. that invalid, you know? No, absolutely it, not. And um, and I think that's that's actually one thing that I'm really appreciating as society gets like a little more comfortable with different models of relationships like I'm hearing about more and more married couples that like live separately or have separate rooms and it makes me feel so much more like held and seen because I'm like I have my own bedroom there's not a bed in it because it's not big enough but if it were big enough there would be a bed in here and like I would sleep separately from my partner quite frequently only because Sometimes I just want to get a good night's sleep. <laughs> like it, I sleep better nice. in I sleep better in the bed with my partner when he's not here. It's actually harder for me to fall asleep. Um, mm-hmm. oh. Except when I'm having a night where I can't fall asleep, and his soft, soft snoring is just loud enough to keep mm. it from happening. And mm-hmm. I know there are many marriages that survive because people have separate bedrooms, mm-hmm. and they exactly. get together when they want to have sex, and they sleep in a separate bedroom. Like, there comes a point in a relationship where you're not having sex every second of the day and you're not waking up and having sex. You're not going to bed and having sex. Like, you're having it at 2 in the afternoon in between things because that's when you have time. And I think there's this (laughs) assumption that if you're not sleeping in the same bed, then you can't be having sex because sex happens at nighttime, either before you go to sleep or right after you wake up. Yeah. Looking at you, Mike and Carol Brady, you bold motherfuckers laying in bed together on TV. Brady Bunch? Yeah, that was a whole, like, thing when – because it was the first time that a network TV show showed a husband and wife in bed together. And all they were doing – it was every night. They would would sit up in bed and they would, like, talk and read and catch up. But everybody thought it was so scandalous because it hinted – Brady Bunch was scandalous? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. My family group chat is called The Brady Bunch, but that name's ironic. Wait, that's really cute. Yeah, that's what we call it. We also used to watch The Brady Bunch as a family. Same. I still have such a crush on Mike Brady. I used to only have a crush on Greg Brady, uh, and then the older I got, the more I was like, mm, I'm digging the daddy vibes from from Mike. <laughs> I think I have to go rewatch it. I just remember thinking it was just a really lovely show to watch because my family was not the Brady Bunch in any way, shape, or form. Same. So it was nice. I mean, that for it was starters, like one... we're Jewish. <laughs> I was thinking more the like mental illness in my family and the bipolar brother and the and the yeah, we're the Jewish. Issues. Yeah, yes, that's yes, that's true. <laughs> okay, now that I'm thinking about it. You know what I find interesting though about family dynamics? Because what are we talking about right now other than relationship and family dynamics, really? Is like, you know, there are all these people who are like, oh, my family, we never fight, we never do this, our family's pretty normal. We're not like when I first met my husband, he was like, Oh, my family's pretty normal. And then, you know, like in my like in his mind, like my family's the crazy one with our like yelling at each other at the Shabbat dinner table. And I'm like, What? No, that's pretty that's how you know you're having a good dinner. Um but then, like, my family doesn't have any divorce in it, and his does. And oh, there, yeah. are, there are, like, some relatives who had addictions issues, and my family doesn't have that either. So there's these assumptions around, like, even in families, like, what is the right kind of family to have? And, you know, mm. what is a normal family or not a normal family? In my family, we might yell at each other and have no shame around arguing loudly in public because we're Jewish. Um Whereas his family might think that's really weird and uncomfortable, but there are all these other things that his family has that are maybe not like the perfect Brady Bunch family that my family doesn't. And both are equally valid families that are equally healthy in in different ways, you know? I'm thinking 
it was a few weeks ago. Um, my my sister has a, a long term partner who is a, a wonderful young woman, um, and the, the four of us kiddos were, were hanging out together, um, and I and I don't remember what. Oh, we were. My sister and I started talking about cleaning out my parents' garage, and our family dynamics. We we raise our voices and we like talk very animatedly. And both of our partners were so visibly uncomfortable because they thought we were fighting. And you're like, like no, we're just having an intense a conversation. Mm. Like this is a this is an emotionally charged conversation. We are not in an argument at all. But they were so visibly uncomfortable until finally at one point I was like, Are you two okay? And my husband was like, well, can we just like change the subject? Like, there's a lot of conflict. And we were like, do you think we're mad at each other? My sister and I had a very similar situation where my dad was like, I'm so embarrassed. You two fought that entire lunch. And my sister and I were like, we haven't seen each other in a few months. We were literally catching up. He's like, you two are arguing. I'm like, because we sounded like this the entire time. Like, because my sister and I apparently drop into Valley Girl when we're talking mm. to each other. Apparently, yeah, and we'll up speak and we do all these things and it could sound like like two women arguing, but really we're just like having a conversation. And yeah, anyway, so to bring this back to uh, relationship models, the point that I wanted to make here is that like just because something's different than what you were raised with or expect doesn't mean it's not um, healthy or valid. Absolutely. And I would highly recommend giving this book a, a read through or even um even if you can just pull up a chapter or two it's uh yeah it was really it was really eye-opening for me um and in the journey of being a sex educator and wanting to be the most inclusive I can possibly be like having an understanding of the ways in which romance and sexual orientation and attraction all kind of work together in this beautiful I was gonna say marriage but I'm trying to come up with a better word but this beautiful marriage of thoughts and feelings and perspectives to create a healthy happy relationship with yourself and others one other thing I think we should maybe mention before we move to our listener question is that um the difference between like I think people assume asexual people can't have romantic relationships because they don't have sexual relationships you want to spend a few minutes just talking about that uh, yeah, absolutely. So um, when I was reading through very quickly that uh, that glossary, um, we brought up the idea of romantic orientation and being being arrow, so aromantic um, versus being alloromantic and asexual versus allosexual. And there is a distinction between the two and and folks do identify with one or the other um, or somewhere in the middle. And the idea that you absolutely can have a meaningful and deep romantic relationship that does not involve sex. Can you have a sexual relationship that doesn't involve romance? Like, is that, is that, I feel like we don't hear about that as often. Someone who wants sex but doesn't want romantic attachments. Or, like, we hear them, we call them fuckboys and assume that it's just that they're too immature to settle down. Ooh, she stumped me. Yeah. Okay, well, these are just the questions I'm having right now. Well, maybe we'll yeah. come back to that topic at a future future podcast when we've all had time to learn a little more. Heck yeah. All right. Let's take a break before we go into listener questions. And we're back with the listener question. 
Here's my problem, deviance defining elite. I am super sexual, but my wife isn't. Before we got married, she was. But after, not so much at all. And she only wanted it if she was drunk or I was so tired I couldn't respond. And when she wanted to get pregnant. She's battled breast cancer as well. She had a breast removed. But I'm working and taking care of household chores and parenting. And she's getting reconstructive surgery soon. She's an excellent mother and I love her. But how can we fix our sex life? From Hot Hubby. Um, my first response comes from a place of privilege because I understand that this is not necessarily the most accessible thing, um, but couples therapy. That was my first thought, too. So. <laughs> um, but also understanding that that shit's expensive sometimes. Um, I think there's obviously a few points here, um, the first of which being that the two of you, but especially your wife, are currently experiencing trauma. Uh breast cancer cancer illness in general is one of the most traumatic experiences that a human can go through um, and especially breast cancer when it's something that threatens something that for many women is an integral part of their identity as a woman and as a sexual person and probably as a mother as well I don't know if she if she breastfed I don't I obviously don't know all the nuances but um, like that that is a huge core piece of womanhood that is being threatened um and that's really fucking hard i was just thinking about how many chemical changes she might have gone through recently because of the like pregnancy and i mean it sounds like this sex life change happened before the pregnancy and the cancer if i'm if i'm correct in the order Mm -hmm. of events but even then whatever they could have worked on before you know, there's probably a lot going on in terms of how she feels about herself, given that her body probably went through a lot of changes and chemo mm-hmm. is a bitch mm-hmm. and a half. And you feel like shit all the time. And there are a lot of, of sexual, ch- like you're not going to want to have sex when you are putting poison in your body. Yeah. And speaking of putting poison into your body, um, the the fact that she that she wanted sex only when she was drunk to me at least implies a certain level of anxiety um and or feeling very like overwhelmed and distracted by other things going on to keep you from getting to a state of arousal um we've shouted out this book before on this podcast but come as you are um talks quite a bit about the different things that can basically put the brakes on you becoming sexually aroused and a huge part of that is stress and anxiety. And so when she's drunk, she's not thinking about all the other things that she has to get done. She, it, Her filter is switched off. She is in a mode of not really giving a shit about what else is going on around her. And if that is when she is initiating sex, to me, that's at least a certain something about um, what like emotional and psychological barriers are in the way for her of wanting sex so I love that book and I'm going to talk a bit more about it because I think it directly applies here there's two main chapters that that a lot of her information is in and one of them talks about how uh if your sex is a drive there's the accelerator and the Mm -hmm. brakes and certain things are accelerators and certain things are brakes and it doesn't matter how many how how, like hard you're pushing on the gas pedal if your brake is Mm -hmm. on it's not going to go anywhere Mm -hmm. So that's an example. So I found that to be very interesting. I took the little quiz on accelerate, you know, are you high, high excitement or, you know, low excitement? And they also have one on inhibitors and no surprise, high SES, low SIS. But anyway. um, I'm high both. So that's exciting. 
Oh, okay. Well, when we're done answering this question, I want to talk about that a bit more. <laughs> um, so, but then the next chapter talks about context and how the context in which you're feeling sexual changes. So I also think it's very interesting that after they got married, that's when she didn't want to have sex anymore. So I'm wondering if one of her breaks is, um, you know, feelings of stability. Yeah. You never know. Like maybe one of her accelerators was was the excitement of the chase of dating or the new relationship energy and now you have the prize. Or the excitement leading up to a wedding. Yeah, like it's very unclear what that could be. But that's a chapter that could be really interesting and worth talking about. Mm -hmm. It sounds like this hot hubby is trying so hard to make his wife feel wanted and make sure that he's taking away what could be an inhibitor, like making sure that there's no stress around chores, taking care of their kid, you know, working um, as much as possible. But I would say that there's nothing that you can work on by yourself. Mm-hmm. It is very much a team effort. And that's where the couple's therapy is going to come yeah. in. I, w- I would agree. And and if and if couple's therapy is cost prohibitive, um, it, it might be worth you giving giving come as you are a read and and i i super hope she's receptive um i would caution you to and it sounds like you already have this perspective i i I would caution you to treat it as a we conversation a um i i love you and i love our life together and i would like to work together to enhance this aspect of it um Mm -hmm. as opposed to we need to figure out what's wrong with you uh which once again it doesn't sound like that's the perspective you're taking on this and and I appreciate that um no but I do think that people people do not see sex as a deal breaker and sometimes like oh well we used to have good sex why can't we have good sex now and like this could be the person she really is Mm -hmm. yeah so there come there needs to be a point where you determine you know, is this what you want in your marriage? Yeah. And, and that's scary. If, if you, if the two of you are not willing to work on something together, if you are unhappy and there is no sign of that unhappiness changing because she is not willing to change or do the work with you, that is a conversation that you need to have with yourself about what would the next step be? And we, what are you willing, what are your limits? And we just finished a, a long season of talking about alternative relationship models. So like, maybe consider maybe, something maybe there's something there um but yeah. best of luck hot hubby report back because we're rooting for you um yeah and also katie before we end this episode what's it like having a high accelerator and a high break fucking wild because understandably it can be very frustrating for partners it's also frustrating for me but they're not in my head so they don't understand what's happening um but to go from like being very sexually aroused and attracted and then having the wrong thought pop into your head and just immediately shut off is very frustrating um and frankly a pain in the ass but you know working on it i have as i was mentioning very high accelerators very low brakes Mm -hmm. which is have you heard uh charlie i think it's xex i don't know what her name is xix uh she has a song boys oh yeah yeah where she's talking about, I was thinking I'm about boys. I'm like, where were you? And she's like, boys. yeah, and about like can- <laughs> canceling plans with friends or like not showing up because you're busy with boys. Mm. Like uh, that song resonated with me. I'm like, oh my God. That's like, I have to actively think about being a good friend sometimes. Oh, I mean, story of my fucking life. I- I'm with you there. 
<laughs> yeah I mean I think we're all maybe more there but definitely like it's one of those things where like I need sometimes someone else to be the brakes for me because I can't when I'm in a certain mood like there's no there's no stopping good me. Dis- there's no stopping the fuck demon that's why I have hats <laughs> so <laughs> winter hat and summer hat so that I can wear it year round um yeah okay any any last words for our listeners Katie since this is our last episode together um, I just appreciate so much the the community that, that you are building, and I'm really honored to be a part of it and looking forward to engaging again in the future. I'm still kind of working on figuring out what my uh, sex educator persona is, so pardon me while that is under construction. Um, but I, I hope to be around again. I would love to have you back one day. And as I'm sure you listeners know, the next six episodes are going to be a variety of different guests with different perspectives and backgrounds. And we're working on making sure we do have that variety for you guys. So if you want to join the Deviants Defining Elite, you can do so at Sex News with Rhea on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can submit a listener question through sharewithrea.com slash podcast or email sexnewswithray at gmail.com. DM me, call me, text me, stop me on the street. Please don't abuse my DMs. Follow me at Wife Bay Ray on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok, and Razor Latex on Instagram and OnlyFans. This podcast is engineered and produced by Dave Meisner and is hosted at sexnewswithray.podbean.com. The theme music is by Blank and Brilliant, and a special thank you to Blue Microphones. Photography for our logo is by Dolly Shots Photography. Also, shout out to my sister for helping me with the layout all of those many months ago. I should shout her out, too. See you all next week.